Hey everybody, and welcome to another episode of Magic with Zuby. My name is Zuby, and if you are brand new to the show, this show is all about Magic the Gathering, the best card game ever made in existence, which, I don't know, the only other card game that can even come close to this is Solitaire. But um, anyways, if you are brand new to the show, I also like to bring on content creators to pro players and more to interview and just talk and shoot the breeze with them. And then I like to have episodes such as this where I'm all solo and I like to ramble on and on all about magic and you get to hear me go on like a crazy man. So uh, before we begin, let's get some announcements out of the way here. So, Zuby is scheduled to be at Grand Prix Orlando from August 10th through the 12th, as well as Grand Prix Atlanta from November 2nd through the 4th. I am super excited about that because Grand Prix Dallas was so much fun, and I can't wait to come out there again and spell sling with you all. Um, Magikazubi can be found on Facebook at facebook.com slash on Twitter at Magikazubi. You can email me with any questions you may have on at Gmail at mtgzubi at gmail.com. We are available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio, whatever your favorite podcast app may be. We're also on YouTube there, which if you like to listen to your podcast on YouTube, definitely check that out there. Just search for Magic Wazubi on YouTube, and I should be the first one to pop up. If you search for Magic Wazubi and I'm not the first channel that pops up, then we have a problem here. Um, you can also help support the show if you want to you know, throw a few dollars at the Patreon at patreon.com slash Magic um, Definitely check it out and see what wards are available there and um yeah that about does it so before we begin uh let's get some ads out of the way oh that's right one other um ad that i still need to work on i am also sponsored by manatraders.com where you can rent magic online decks for a pretty low price a month um if you use promo code mtgzubi you get 15 percent off your first three months at manatraders.com so be sure to definitely check that out as well too the link is in the show notes so check that out so let's get the other ads out of the way and here we go well hey there zoe why the long face there chum I just want to order some magic cards, but the shipping was too expensive. Too expensive? Well, did you know if you go to LegitMTG.com, you can order any magic cards, and anything over $2 or more has free shipping. Wow, free shipping at LegitMTG.com. That's amazing. You heard that right, Zoe. Free shipping at LegitMTG.com with any order over $2 or more. Be sure to visit today and get the best deal on Magic Singles and Magic Sealed product available. Wow, that's amazing! Man, I wish there were others who liked retro video games like me. Did I hear someone say retro video games? I heard it too, Matt! Well, if you're a fan of retro video games as well as gaming in general, you need to listen to the VCR Gaming Podcast. It's available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Oh god, my house! All right, so let's just start this show off with a bang, right? So I have been given by Wizards of the Coast a Magic the Gathering Battle Bond preview card, and I guess let, let's just get straight to it, right? Because you don't want to hear me ramble on about it. You know, you just want to see the card and see how awesome it is, right? All right, so so here it is. Here it is. And this preview card is none other than Mangara of Corindor, a one double white legendary creature human wizard, and when you tap her, she exiles Mangora of Corindor and target permanent. Um, it's a 1-1. One, one. So it's definitely going to have that kind of benefit of when you're playing two-headed giant or, heck, even EDH or anything like that. You know, any kind of casual or limited format where you play her and there is a permanent that you really need to deal with. You can tap her, exile her, and a target permanent, you know. Hey, that sounds good to me. It's basically a slower removal spell more than anything, but hey, I'm 
it seems pretty cool. Um, you know, and when it says target permanent, that also means land. So let's say there is that dark depths out on the field and, oh my gosh, it's getting close to, you know, getting its counters, um, you know, taken off like, oh, well, I'm just going to tap Mangara here and boom, it's gone. It's done. You know, you don't have to worry about it anymore. And look at this flavor text here. I have been brought to this place and I cannot leave. I may be free of the Amber, but I am still in prison. So pretty cool rare card. Um, Thank you, Wizards of the Coast, for giving me this preview card to showcase to everybody. Um, really appreciate it, and it's really cool. So be sure to look for this card when you're drafting Magic the Gathering Battle Bond, uh, which is coming out soon, by the way, which is crazy. I feel like we just had Dominaria come out, and now we got Battle Bond, which I'm definitely going to pick up a box or two of this to try and draft, and maybe some... Yeah, this is, yeah, two-headed giant. So, yeah, do, do some two-headed giant with it. So thanks again, Wizards. All right, so let's get on to a little bit of something called Announcement Day. So Wizards of the Coast recently had some really big announcements regarding the future of Magic. And and not just Battlebond here, but also the Fall set and the Winter set that are coming out later this year. And next year as well, too. So we're going back to this plain, little-known plane. I don't know if it's that well-known, um, called Ravnica. I think um, don't know if it was really that popular or not, but um, yeah, it, we're, we're going back to it. And um, the newest set, the fall set is going to be called guilds of Ravnica and will prominently feature the harmonious Selesnia or Selesna, the militant Boros, the life and death focus Golgari, the frazzled geniuses of the is and the mystery of the Demir. Ooh, some of my favorite is it in Demir. Um, so that is going to be coming out October 5th, 2018. And then come January 2019, we're still staying in Ravnica. And that set is going to be called Ravnica Allegiance. Uh, Ravnica Allegiance ratchets up the drama and releases January 2019. And we'll complete our travels through the guilds. Join the orderly Azorius, the chaotic Rakdos, the wild Gruul, the experimental Simic, and the devious Orzov as we reach the penultimate moment of the Gatewatch's story. So, and then in the spring set of next year, it's going to be another Ravnica set, but we don't know the name of it yet. So, we're going to be in Ravnica for three whole sets. And uh, I think I saw some people were confused. They're like, oh, so are we going to the three set um, block? how we were before, like a large, small, small, or large, small, large type blocks. No, we are not. They're going to be three separate blocks, and you're going to be drafting them all separately, playing them all separately in terms of limited. And I'm I'm pretty curious to see how it's going to shape up. I mean, I know some people feel like, oh, we just got out of Ravnica. You know, we just had, you know, Gate Crash and Dragon's Maze, and now we're already back here. Yeah, it does feel a little early, to be honest, but it makes sense story-wise because essentially where we're going with Dominaria, we're going to kill Bells and Locke. Um, Liliana is going to be captured by Bolas, and Bolas is ratcheting up his plan to take over Ravnica, essentially. And um, it'd be almost kind of silly to not go straight to Ravnica from Dominaria, even though me personally, I would like to stay in Dominaria way, way, way longer than going back to Ravnica. It's, um, I mean, like I said, I'm interested to see where it's going to go. I'm hoping there's going to be some fun cards. I mean, with the power level of Dominaria, I wonder if it's going to be the same kind of similar power level that Dominaria brought. Or is it going to be sort of a neutered set like Ixalan and Rivals of Ixalan was comparatively to Dominaria and Kaladesh? And um, so I I'm excited about it. Are we going to see Shocklands again? Who knows? We don't know. Um, it. I mean, personally, I would love to see Shocklands again because that way I don't have to spend that much money on mana. But and plus, you know, you can't be mad opening a Shockland since they're used so much in modern as well. But I'm I'm almost curious, and I, I've been saying this a few times on Twitter to certain people. It's I'm wondering if we're gonna get the the other half of the battle for Zendikar dual lands that are fetchable. Um, and by that, I think they're called the battle lands. Um, the battle for Zendikar lands were allied colors. So I'm, I'm wondering if we're going to get the enemy colored, uh, dual lands for guilds of Ravnica, which would, I mean, 
it wouldn't necessarily break anything because we're not getting fetch lands reprinted anytime soon. And it would be kind of interesting to see the enemy uh, battle lands as well. I mean, if if we are going to get those lands, we're going to have to call them something different. We can't call them battle lands. Um, weren't they also called, um, what is it? Uh, tango, like duo lands or I, I don't, I don't remember. Um, yeah, tango lands or something. I, I don't know. I, I always called them battle lands. So, um, it'd be interested, interesting to see, you know, are we going to see some, um, you know, like what's Niv Mezit up to at this point? You know, what are some of the other guilds up to? Um, the last time we even got a story in Ravnica, I think it was, was it a conspiracy story that happened or was it a no i think it was a commander story last year right before ixalan it was a story where vraska um had uh what was it sent out some golgari people to go talk to these bug people i i, I can't remember the names i should have brought it up but and then she tricked them and she was allied with the bug people all along and she wanted to take over the golgari um guild essentially and um that was the last time we had any kind of proper story in Ravnica, and I'm wondering if that's going to be mentioned at all in the storyline as well, especially since Vraska is going back to Ravnica. So, all, all in all, I'm excited about it. Um, it's definitely going to make for some interesting standard, because standard right now, I mean, I, I'm finding standard interesting right now. I mean, it's definitely not as bad as some past standards. Yes, it is getting a little expensive like we talked about in last week's episode. But you know what? It's You don't need to play those cards. And I'm excited for the injection of Ravnica flavor that we, you know... It, I mean, let's be honest. Ravnica is very flavorful. It, it kind of reminds me of... Um, uh, Innistrad, in a sense. I mean, it's not the same kind of flavor, but it has that sort of almost similar feeling to it, at least me personally, it does. And yeah, so like I said, we, we've got three sets planned in Ravnica, and I just, I'll just be honest, I hope we go back to Dominaria again. I mean, I, I know we had a long time in Dominaria and Magic's early part of history, and I can't tell you guys enough at how excited I was for Dominaria and how excited I am still for Dominaria. I still think it's a very good set and I have nothing but praise for it. I mean, it, it knocked it out of the park and I will be honest, I really thought it was going to be a dud because not that Ixalan and Rivals of Ixalan were the worst sets ever released in Magic's history, but I mean they weren't the most exciting story-wise. I loved the story for Ixalan through and through. That 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 was the best part of Ixalan for me, honestly. Um, but as far as drafting it and playing it in standard, um, it wasn't very exciting for me. I was honestly kind of bored of standard at that time because we had teamer energy everywhere, you know, green black energy, um, you name it, we had it was all energy, energy, energy. Because the tune with Aether was still legal then too. Um and yeah, it, it's and I, I I know it seems like I'm knocking Ixalan down, but it just wasn't very exciting. And I, and I didn't have, you know, that high of hopes for Dominaria, honestly, until, you know, this set was being spoiled and coming out. And I'm just think and, and how much I drafted it at GP Dallas, too. It was so much fun, had so much fun with it. And I just hope they keep up this pace and momentum with making awesome standard sets like they like Dominaria was, you know? They had something really good going and let's hope they don't lose that momentum. Yes, M19 is coming out and I'm happy for core sets coming back. Um core sets are notoriously um not very powerful and that's okay. Uh I will happily accept a set that is more geared towards beginners and you know, not the highest level of magic players as well, because, Hey, if that brings more people into the game, the better, you know, that's awesome. And plus sometimes it's fun to play a more vanilla set sometimes too. You know, I mean, there have been some already M19 spoilers out there somehow. Um, apparently they've been packaged with Dominaria cards and they got into the set, which was pretty weird. But, um, I digress. It's it's been um 
it, I, I'm excited for the core set. Uh, and you know, heck, I, I guess we'll just have to wait and see it. You know, um, but yeah, so I'm excited about Ravnica. So Guilds of Ravnica comes out October 5th. Uh, Ravnica Allegiance is January 2019. And yeah, let's hope. Like I said, I really, really want Wizards to knock this out of the park. Dominaria was a huge success. Um, and let's hope they keep that up. I believe they can because we know they can. They have made some awesome sets. There have been duds. But we know what they're capable of. And... Well, like, like I said, I, I know it sounds like I keep knocking Ixalan down, but the flavor of the set was very, you know, cool. And, you know, pirates, dinosaurs, and um, and merfolk. And while those are fun tribes, and like I said, it was, the set was very flavorful. It just didn't really hit it. It didn't, it didn't hit a home run for me personally. And um, Dominaria did, and I hope they can keep up that momentum with Ravnica. So I posted a poll out there to the social medias to ask the listeners you guys what format i should talk about on this week's episode and you know what you all chose uh surprisingly i have i guess a lot of legacy listeners apparently um even though the poll didn't show that um it was that far ahead in the legacy but um i had a bunch of comments on facebook just saying hey talk about legacy talk about legacy i'm like okay well i count those as votes even though they didn't go vote for the poll but um I guess that's what we're going to talk about here. So I, I guess let's start off really basic here. What is Legacy? So Legacy is a format which allows all cards from uh, Magic's history. It does have a ban list, and the most notable cards on that ban list are the quote-unquote Power 9. And I'm, I'm going to go over the, the ban list here real quick, just the ones at least they name. Um you know, they, they do ban all cards that have conspiracy on them and cards that mention playing for anti because anti is no longer a rule at all in Magic. So the cards banned in Legacy are the Power Nine and also the other cards are Ancestral Recall, Balance, Bazaar of Baghdad, Black Lotus, Channel, Chaos Orb, Demonic Consultation, Demonic Tutor, Dig Through Time, Earthcraft, Falling Star, Fastbond, Flash, Frantic Search, Goblin Recruiter, Gush, Hermit Druid, Imperial Seal, Library of Alexandria, Mana Crypt, Mana Drain, Mana Vault, Memory Jar, Me Mental Misstep, Mind Twist, Mind's Desire, Mishra's Workshop, Mox Emerald, Mox Jet, Mox Pearl, Mox Ruby, Mox Sapphire, Mystical Tutor, Necropotence, Oath of Druid, Shah... Shahrazad, Ugh, I always screw that name up. Skull Clamp, Soul Ring, Strip Mine, Survival of the Fittest, Time Vault, Time Walk, Time Twister, Tinker, Tolarian Academy, Treasure Cruise, Vampiric Tutor, Wheel of Fortune, Windfall, Yogmoth's Bargain, Yogmoth's Will. Um, so those are the cards that are banned in Legacy. And like I said, Legacy consists of all of Magic sets from Alpha to the latest set that has come out. And as well as the... Um, uh, supplemental sets as well, like Battle Bond, cons Conspiracy, Commander sets as well. So that is one cool thing about Legacy. So, um, so another reason why people play Legacy is because it's one of the most fast and powerful formats of Magic. I mean, probably the only other format that's more powerful than Legacy would be Vintage, since that allows you know every single card in magic at least just one one of each card if it's restricted like there's no banned cards whatsoever in vintage but in legacy um like i said they do have the ban lists and it's probably even though legacy is super expensive it's not as expensive as vintage and um but legacy is still a ton of fun as well i mean let's go over some of the uh popular decks of legacy um i mean Going at number one here is Grixis Delver, uh, my favorite deck in Modern, and I'm slowly but surely building this deck in Legacy. The only thing I need are dual lands and force of wills. Um, you can reach me at mtgzubi at gmail.com if you want to get my address to send me those dual lands and force of wills. I will happily accept any and all copies of them. So anyways, uh, Grixis Delver... Uh, it's the boogeyman of the format now. I remember when this deck wasn't even that popular. I wouldn't say not popular. I just, I would say not tier one. Uh, probably like tier two or anything like that. Now it's pretty much tier zero. With miracles out of the way, with Sensei's Divining Top being banned, uh, this deck is number one and it has a huge target on its head. And rightfully so. I mean, it's got some of the best creatures in this um 
in this format. It's got some of the best spells. I mean, Force of Will is just ridiculous in, um, in Legacy. Uh, looking at this list I'm looking at right now, and um, you've got Deathrite Shaman, which is a one-mana Planeswalker. Let's just be honest. I would not be surprised if Deathrite Shaman gets a ban in Legacy because it is, it's ridiculous. It's a one-mana creature that can win games on its own, and if you can protect it long enough, you're going to win. Especially with Grixis Delver, and if you have multiple Deathrite Shamans out, it's it's ridiculous. And anybody who plays Legacy knows how powerful this card is, just in any deck that supports green or black. Uh, then you got Delver of Secrets, of course, my boy Blue, uh, a one mana one one that flips into a flying three two. You attack for three on turn two. You know what's bad about that? And of course, Young Pyromancer. I mean. He's so good in modern. He's even better in legacy and just the ability. He can just take over games by himself. A two, one, uh, doesn't seem that strong, right? But he creates a one, one red elemental token when he casts an instant or sorcery. And you're going to have close to 30 spells in Grixis Delver's deck. Uh, yeah. Why aren't you playing this card? I mean, it's, it's sickening how good this card is. And if you can't take care of it, you know, your if your opponent can't take care of Young Pyromancer, it's going to steal the game away from you. Uh, True Name Nemesis, which came out in Commander 2013, surprisingly, stupidly good because it's a three mana three one. But when it comes into the battlefield, you choose a player, and True Name Nemesis has protection from that chosen player. Yeah, this wasn't played for like a while, and it's only not until recently when people started playing this card in Legacy and Grixis Delverless and it's it's stupidly good. I mean, you your opponent can't target it at all whatsoever, and you it can't be blocked, targeted, dealt damage, or enchanted by anything controlled by your opponent. So you essentially have to wipe the board to get rid of it. And um, yeah, and I, I like I said, I can't say enough like how stupidly ridiculous that card is and then good old Gurmog Angler the common from Fate Reforge still to this day is taking names and kicking ass and legacy and modern and who would have thought this little common fish that when Fate Reforge came out that it was going to be so good I remember people just raving and ranting about Tassiger and I, I really thought Tassiger was going to see more play in legacy um, than it does I mean he does he does me some work in um modern Grixis Delver, but legacy Grixis Delver, nah, Gurmog Angler is the king of Delve creatures. Um, and then, of course, your spells that you have, Brainstorm. I mean, any format where Brainstorm is legal is... Brainstorm is the best draw spell you can have, besides Ancestral Recall. Brainstorm is just that much better. Um, it also helps you set off, you know, Grixis Delver as long as you don't fetch it away like an idiot like I am. Um, and then you got Forked Bolt you got Gitaxian Probe, which, like I said, Gitaxian Probe's still legal. I mean, I'm still kind of sad that it's not legal in Modern, but I get it. I understand it was Degenerate. It's such a good card, even in Legacy here and in Vintage, too. Jesus. Um, Lightning Bolt, of course. Ponder, another good draw spell. Spell Pierce. Uh, Daze, good counter spell there. Dismember. Uh, Force of Will, the best counter spell in Legacy. You'd think it'd be counter spell, but no, Force of Will is even better because you basically play it for free. Um, and then you got, you know, your fetch lands and dual lands. The dual lands that typically runs are Underground Sea, Volcanic Island, and Tropical Island, which, you know, they're not too expensive, just in the realm of, you know, four to five hundred bucks each. You know, not too bad, right? Um, so that's just a quick overview of Grixis Delver. Like I said, the like tier zero right now in Legacy. Um, what are some other Legacy decks here? Uh, Reanimator. Uh, Reanimator is is a lot of fun in Legacy. This Reanimator deck I'm looking at right here. Um, it plays Chancellor of the Annex, which is a four colorless triple white angel. Uh, you may reveal this card from your opening hand. If you do, when each opponent casts his or her first spell of the game, counter that spell unless that player pays one. Whenever opponent casts a spell, counter it unless that player plays one. Or that player pays one. I'm saying it backwards. Um, also has Elish Norn, which is ridiculously strong. Uh, Grizzlebrand, which 
It's in a grizzle brand. You pay seven life, draw seven cards. Okay. And it has flying lifelink. Ridiculously strong. Uh, Tide Spout Tyrant. What does this do? Uh, whenever you play a spell, return target permanent to its owner's hand. Okay. Ridiculous card. So that's an interesting addition to this reanimator list. Uh, my buddy Kevin, who may be listening to this podcast, he was playing um, Gishath Reanimator, uh, all Dino Reanimator with Zakama and Gishath in it, and it's just stupidly ridiculous. So you get a turn two Gishath and just start revealing Dinos from your hand and putting them into play and all that. It's 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 silly. I mean, Reanimator is is a thing in Legacy, and. I mean, you don't have to play the creatures I just mentioned here, but like my buddy Kevin, he he played Dino Reanimator. I mean, there's Eldrazi Reanimator if you want to go that way. Um, reanimate anything like Blightsteel, um, Colossus, get some Infect in there. You know, whatever it is you want. Um, and, and that's the thing with Legacy. I mean, since you have the entire card pool of Magic's history, there's no telling what you can build that will be good. Um, just last week when I was talking about that mono red prison deck that Gary Campbell ran at GP Birmingham, um, when you look at that deck, I mean, it almost looks like a standard deck, right? Because there's so many standard cards in it and you think like, okay, it's mono red, you know, how, how good is it really going to do against the likes of Grixis Delver, right? Um, it wrecked people's faces left and right. Goblin Rabble Master. I mean, come on. Who plays that in Legacy? And I'm just I'm just watching this. I'm like, I'm, I'm not even mad. Actually, I'm happy that Gary Campbell is winning this because it is so ridiculously fun to watch that Grixis Delver just gets smashed by this prison deck. Um, like I said, that's one of the great things with modern modern has that kind of open endness with decks, but legacy has it even more because there's a lot more power behind it. Yeah. There are going to be staples of legacy, like the dual lands and force of will and lion's eye diamond and whatever tutors there are out there. You know, there are going to be those cards and, um, but you know, you, you could build a non meta deck and, for it to seek and pray out the meta decks and take down a tournament in Legacy. I mean, just like Modern, the thing with Legacy is you really have to know your deck. Yes, there are tiers of decks. Like, you can't go in there expecting to win with Mono Green Stompy, which I have done um, at an IQ before. Take Mono Green Stompy. That was before I had Legacy Elves built, okay? Um, I did win against Dredge. Uh, Graph Digger's Cage, turn one, and is really good against Dredge, especially when it's Manalist Dredge and they don't have any lands. So, um, <laughs> anyways, it's so, I mean, like, like I said, if you go in there with a plan, um, and also similar to modern, if you really know your deck inside and out, you can win against matchups that are typically weak. I mean, like I said, Force of Will does put it's sort of like the police men of the format it does stop stop decks from you know getting too crazy but it doesn't mean that decks like grix's delver or any other kind of control deck aren't beatable i mean elves is a good example i mean I, that's the only legacy deck i have right now that can win on turn two turn three a storm and legacy it can win on turn one it's ridiculous when i've seen that go off on turn one you're just like oh well i wanted to play a game of magic i guess not um so some of the other decks here, uh, what else? We got Sneak and Show. Sneak and Show is usually you try to sneak in a Grizzlebrand or an Emrakul the Aeon's Torn with um, Sneak Attack or where's the, where's Show and Tell or Show and Tell. So Sneak Attack is three and a red enchantment. You pay a red. You may put a creature card from your hand onto the battlefield. That creature gains haste. Sacrifice creature at the beginning of the next end step. So you um it's similar to show and tell but your opponent can't put a creature card out um you know show and tell is two and a blue sorcery each player may put an artifact creature enchantment or land card from his or her hand onto the battlefield typically you do want to put grizzlebrand or emrakul the aeons torn and um yeah so sneak and show is a deck it's definitely fun i mean show and tell you'd probably want to put omniscience out instead so you can just cast everything in your deck uh, without having to pay for anything, so um, yeah. So like I said, that's definitely a viable choice. Uh, sneak and show 
It's definitely pretty weak against counter spells, obviously, but you know, you run Force of Wills in that as well. Um, oh god, what else is there? There's Turbo Depths. Uh, remember that card, Dark Depths, I mentioned earlier? Uh, you just basically, where is it? Yeah, you get, um, crap, where is it? Is it, um, oh, where is it? It's, you have to get the ice counters off it. Um, oh yeah, so you can play Vampire Hex Mage. Uh, you have Dark Depths out. It has the 20 ice counters on it, or no, the 10 ice counters on it. Sorry. Um, and then you can play Vampire Hex Mage, remove all counters from target permanent, then create a 2020 Merit Lage and just win. Um, so that that can be a fun deck as well. It's just um, you know trying to get there can be the problem. Uh, and then I guess let's talk about you know the legacy deck that I play the most, and that's that's Elves. Um, like I said, this deck can win on turn two or three. Uh, it really, it's more of a combo deck more than anything, and it really relies on um, Heritage Druid. Uh, Deathrite Shaman is very handy and useful, but you can almost, you can definitely win games without having him out on the field. Um, Gaia's Cradle is a necessity for this deck. Um, when I've seen people try to do budget elves without Gaia's Cradle, it's never as good. It's basically you're building modern elves without Collected Company. Um, but Gaia's Cradle, you need those to make this deck go off. Um, I mean, I I even I don't even run Bayous. I just do Overgrown Tomb because, I mean, at the time when I bought the Gaia's Cradles, there were like 150 each, and Bayou was still like right below 200. And um, by the time I got the Gaia's Cradles, I'm like, ah, I, don't, I don't think I really want to waste the money on Bayous now. I kind of wish I did have the Bayous still because, you know, I, I would love to own some dual lands. But I don't need them. Overgrown Tomb is a little painful if I'm going up against decks like Burn. But usually I'm trying to have the plan of go off by turn three or four consistently. Turn four, I can go off consistently. Turn three is it can happen. Turn two, I've only had happen a handful of times. And by turn two, it's really more of I'm just going off like crazy with Glimpse of Nature and um, or Natural Order or anything like that. Um, let me see here. Uh, so elves, the elves it plays are Birchlore Rangers, Deathrite Shaman, Heritage Druid, Nettle Sentinel, Quirion Ranger, Wirewood Symbiote, Elvish Visionary, Reclamation Sage, and then it has two Crater Hoof Behemoth and two Dryad Arbor uh, to help you out with lands there. And yeah, then you have, oh, this, this list is playing Crop Rotation. That's interesting. Uh, search for a land card. Oh, I guess that could help you play um Gaia's Cradle if you're, uh, maybe I should try that. Try one crop rotation in the deck. I mean, it's worth a shot, right? Interesting list here. Uh, Glimpse of Nature, Green Sun Zenith, and Natural Order to help you out with the combo. Um, some of the sideboard that I play in Legacy Elves, I've got Cabal Therapy, Surgical Extraction, Thought Seize, Abrupt Decay. Um, I do have Rurik Thar, and I do, do have Progenitus as well. Uh, Progenitus has won me games because you know it has protection from everything. So, so don't count out Progenitus here. So um, what are some other decks? Let's go over one more before I ask the one question or some other questions in Legacy here. Uh, I guess let's go over Death and Taxes. Uh, Death and Taxes is this this build, at least, is mono-white. Um, I have seen some green-white ones, but I think typically it's mono-white. And um, yeah, let's see. You play Mother of Runes. Uh, Phyrexian Revoker, Sarah Avenger, um, well, Stoneforge Mystic, Thalia, Guardian of Thraben, Flickerwist, Mirren Crusader, Recruiter of the Guard, Sanctum Prelate, Swords to Plowshares, you got Aether Vial to help you cast stuff for free, Umazawa's Jite, Sword of Fire and Ice, Batter Skull. So basically with Death and Taxes is you're really putting a hamper on your opponent where you're making stuff cost more than it normally would with Thalia. Um, you have Phyrexian Revoker to stop certain stuff. And um, then you Mother of Runes to just give protection to a target creature you control. And um, yeah, Swords to Plowshares to help for tar spot removal here and there. Uh, the land base is actually really cheap 
and um, death and taxes comparatively to other land bases. You, this list is playing Horizon Canopy, three Caracas, uh, ten planes, four Rishadon ports, snow, one snow-covered plane, and four Wasteland. And like I said, it's very, very cheap considering or comparing it to other legacy decks. So, like I said, that, that's another viable deck. It, it can be a pain in the butt to play against, but like I said, it's it's there, and it's one of the boogeymans you have to face. So a question I hear constantly is, um, Legacy is so expensive, how do I get into it? Well, very good question. Legacy is very, very expensive. I mean, you could basically buy a decently used car for the price of one Legacy deck. Uh, my Elves deck right now is going for about $3,500 and at least I could buy a used car for that and I will say this if you're very serious about playing legacy um, one of the things you really got to look at is the amount of money you spend now you can trade up to legacy and I've seen a bunch of people do that but if you're someone like me who doesn't like giving away cards or trading away cards and likes to hoard them all which I do have a problem because I'm starting to run out of space here in my office for magic cards just don't tell my wife um so if you're like me and you like to keep your cards and don't like to trade them away or you know sell them or anything like that it's put a plan together for what deck you want and make a budget for it so it took me almost two years to build legacy elves uh the creatures were the cheapest part all right it was all the spells and the lands the lands i bought last so you know, put make yourself a budget when you get paid that, you know, whenever you get paid, put aside some money or buy one piece of the deck, which is what I did for a long time. I would get paid and be like, okay, well, I'm going to spend, you know, 30 to $40 putting it towards legacy or putting it towards legacy elves here. And I bought, you know, a card or two with that 30 to $40 and slowly built up. Like I said, guys, cradles were the last parts. I waited and waited and waited bottom and started playing legacy i mean if like i said if you're serious about playing it put a budget you know in mind and just realize no matter how frustrating it is and i wish wizards would do something about it but they won't at least for the foreseeable future is save up for those reserve list cards now there is the issue of reserve list cards going up in price it feels like every day and that's the fact uh, that that's the reality of the situation. Okay. Reserve list cards are going up in price and there might be no end in sight to how high they go up, depending on what card you're looking to get for your legacy deck. Um, it sucks it, if for duels. If your deck it can at least get by with them, use shock lands. I mean, I'm currently using shock lands on legacy elves, but I can get away with it. Right. Um, I don't need bayous. They're very good to have. They're very handy, but I don't need them. All right. And at most, I'm going to be playing one overgrown tomb. Right. So turn one, I may lose three life right away. It's not the worst thing in the world because elves can go off turn three or four. And in legacy, that does seem like a long time because you could die by turn two or three. It's, um, you know, it's it's not worth stressing about. Now, if you're playing a deck like Grix's Delver, you can't really get away with the Shocklands. You could, you're just putting yourself at a big disadvantage there. And like I said, I, I don't know what to tell you. It's there, There's no secret to building up to a legacy deck. It's either trade, sell your cards that you have, trade up to it, sell up to it, or save your money. It sucks. But you have to realize that Legacy is a very expensive format. Not everyone is meant to play it. And if you are not well off or you don't have a lot of money or anything like that, then I'm sorry. I mean, I would love to play Vintage, right? I would. I love playing Vintage. The times I played Vintage, I don't play it on Magic Online. I played it on Cockatrice and X-Mage because I don't even want to spend $1,000 on Magic Online to play Vintage. I mean, I'd love to. Hey, if anyone wants to send me Power 9 on Magic Online, my Magic Online handle is MTGZubi. Right there, right back at you. There you go. See? See what I did there? Um, but like I said, I'd love to play Vintage on paper, right? But it is not 
a reality for me right right now unless I strike it big or I get rich. I mean, I will be honest, I could save up to vintage and power nine and all that and, you know, buy a vintage deck. Sure, I could. But, you know, I I, I want to actually use my money. I don't want to save up for a year or two again and um, play vintage. And when I look at the reality of it is I'd probably only play vintage once or twice a year, honestly. I mean, I'm lucky to play legacy now. I mean, I do know a few legacy players that are local to me, Kevin being one of them, and um, a few others. Uh, shout outs to Nick and Tom, and um, my buddy George as well, who was on my box opening of Zendikar. Um, you know, we play legacy, we, we have legacy decks. Um, some of them have much more expensive legacy decks than I do. <laughs> um, but I mean, regardless of that, it's, you know, if. You also got to look at that too. Do you have a legacy scene in your local meta, and or, or are you even going to be able to play legacy? Like, do you go to GPs often or Star City Games events often, where they do have legacy events? I mean, if that's a yes, and you want to save up to it, do it. Just come up with a plan. Oh, that was my dice. I'm holding on to while I'm talking, because you know I, I can't stop fiddling my hands while I'm talking here. Um, so yeah, so. Like I said, I wish there was an easier answer for how to play, get into Legacy. I mean, if you really want, build some casual Legacy decks. I mean, Mono Green Stompy was, I don't even think I spent $50 on it, probably even less. Um, yeah, I think the most expensive card were the Graph Digger's Cages I had, or and the Winter Orbs I put in the sideboard as well. Um, yeah, so... That there you go. I mean, th that's sort of my overview of legacy as a whole. And um, I told you I'd talk about it, and the listeners voted for it. Maybe I'll do this some more where you guys vote for you know a format I talk about, and I just dive into it. All right, so I've got some user submitted topics. I put out a question on Twitter at Magic Wazubi on what are some topics I should talk about on the show, and I got two people to respond to it. Uh, the first one is from Riptide Pro Lab on Twitter. Uh, be sure to check him out. He does an awesome Magic Arena stream. He asks how two headed giant brings family and couples closer together. So, not just that format, but I think just playing Magic in general can bring families and couples closer together. Now it all depends on whether or not your spouse or significant other is even into um, magic, the gathering to begin with, you know, try to introduce it to them. And if they like it, awesome. If they don't, you know, don't, don't be too sad if they're not into it. You know, um, my wife and I have very different interests. You know, we, we both love games, um, you know, video games, board games. She does. She can play magic, the gathering. Um, she doesn't play with it. She doesn't play with me very often with it anymore. Um, it's actually been a while since we've even played together. Uh, it's been more of my oldest daughter and I playing EDH. Uh, she loves playing Crufix, and I've been playing. I'll be built. I'll build a new EDH deck and just play her against it. And you know, so it's you know, it, like I said, if if your girlfriend, boyfriend, husband, wife, whatever significant other aren't into Magic the Gathering. That's okay. You know, couples don't need to be into what everyone or what each other are doing. Uh, my wife and I have my wife and I have very different interests, uh, you know, have different hobbies. And that's okay. There are times where she's interested in, you know, doing something with magic. And then there's other times where she's not most of the time. And that's okay. You know, I've come to accept it. You know, there are, we do spend time together, you know, playing games or watching movies. And that's how we enjoy ourselves. I personally, I would love if she played magic more, but you know, oh, well, I mean, it's, I, I guess I've just come to accept it. So it can bring, I think just magic as a whole can bring families together. Like my oldest and I have been playing a lot of EDH and um, she's definitely getting the hang of it. She's getting better at it to where she's getting. And the, the thing that I'm noticing that's evolving with her is the strategy aspect of it. She's getting better at recognizing board states and when to wipe a board or when to kill me instead of focusing on a planeswalker because she can try to do the combat math in her head. Like, OK, if I swing at him now, then in the next turn, I can just go ahead and kill him. Right. Instead of focusing on that one planeswalker, which, you know, can be devastating. But, you know, like I said, just just recognizing the board state. And um, 
So it can bring, you know, families and couples closer together by just having fun and spending time with each other. Now, that that's one of the most important things in any kind of successful successful relationship is spending meaningful time, not just sitting next to each other and being on your smartphones and tablets and not even really talking or noticing each other. There's now, this is this is old man Zuby talking here. One of the things my wife and I try to do is when she and I go out to dinner as a couple, not with the kids, is we put our smartphones away the only thing is we'll do is maybe check our smartphone once or twice to see if the kids called or something or got an important text from someone who may be watching the kids right uh, other than that we just look at each other and really talk to each other and i don't see that happening enough and i like the last time i think my wife and i went out to eat together just her and i i just remember looking around at all the tables and e even even the older couples that probably in their 50s 60s they're on their smartphones and not even really talking or engaging it's i mean we're all guilty of it right with just focusing on the smartphones and not focusing on each other and that that with magic gathering that does help you can focus on each other because you're playing a game and being a team and try to focus and win and that's one of the things that i am I, i'm definitely gearing more towards tabletop games like that as i'm getting older i still play the video games don't get me wrong i love video games i mean you can't get me away from those but i'm definitely gearing more towards the games where i don't need a tablet or smartphone in front of me unless it's using a life counter or dice because i'm an idiot and for, forgot to bring my dice and um really focus on being together as well and i think that's one of the benefits of magic and hell even DD as well too so i hope that kind of answers the question at least my thoughts and feelings on it um thank you riptide for posing that question i really appreciate it the next user submitted topic is from coach from the card bazaar who i had on a couple weeks ago on the podcast or was it like a month or two ago i don't know it feels like it was yesterday but um he asked how do you incorporate magic cards inside of DD? please um, so this is something I actually have experience with. Um, so my tabletop RPG game I've been developing for over 10 years uh, called Aspartia, which, you know, I, I have made an episode on it f on So Your Father's a Nerd. Uh, it was a long time ago, though. And um, so this is something I've actually done before is incorporating magic cards inside a tabletop role playing. I'm not just going to mention D&D here because you can use this for any role playing uh, system, not just D&D. So one of the things is I'm one of those forever DMs, right? Forever dungeon master or game master where I don't really get to play um, the actual RPG games that much. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely one of those who I, I think I enjoy building the worlds more and being the DM and the GM and being all the characters and bad guys and all that way more than playing. I do enjoy playing. It's a lot of fun, but, um, so how do you incorporate magic cards in it? So one of the things that I've done, especially when I've gone on those 15, 16 hour sessions and you start running out of ideas because everything that you already had planned in the session was gone about 10 hours ago, but everybody wanted to keep playing and you're just like, all right, well, let's keep on playing because you still had the energy for it. But but by, you know, hour 15 or 16 or getting so tired um, and your party encounters or has an encounter and you're not sure what kind of monster it is. And look up a random magic card. Uh, there's uh, some websites where you just type in random magic card and it, it, you know, you just hit a button, hit random magic card will pop up. And usually what I'll do is I'll look at that magic card, look at the creature that's on that magic card. If there's a creature or if there's an awesome looking human villain or something like that and be like, all right, well, you guys are fighting, you know, a bunch of slivers now, but I won't call them slivers. Obviously, if I'm DMing, I'll think of something else. Like maybe it's a pack of rabid looking dogs with elongated snouts and they're very instead of paws they got sharp feet and they kind of look like zerg almost from starcraft um <laughs> and then you just sort of give them abilities abilities and ideas from there it's that 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 is one of the things that i do a lot when i dm is um i'm very off the cuff i'm very uh you know what, what's the word i'm improviser uh, i'm a big improviser in dnd it's you know i'll plan out a session and if the party decides to go the complete opposite way i'm like okay cool all right well here's the dungeon and you know you got here's this villain and you know oh my gosh it's a satanic ritual going on whatever the hell i, I decide 
But um, yeah, so that's the best way that I've incorporated magic cards inside of D&D. If anyone else has any other ideas or ways they've done it before, definitely let me know. Sh- reach out to me at mtgzb at gmail.com. I'm curious to hear your stories and how I'll even, you know, retell retell them on the podcast if you want me to because i'm always interested in ideas like that like i said i just mainly used it for encounters where i find a cool creature like oh here's a card laying on my desk right now i've got so many magic cards right now uh moldroth of the grave tide because i'm trying to work on an edh deck for her you know i could look at her and um be like if i if i'm thinking D terms here because for a long time i dm'd the aspartia system that i worked on um, if I'm looking at Muldratha, like, okay, so, you know, maybe a level 15 encounter, I don't know, 400 HP and, I don't know, a combat rating of, like, I don't know, 16 or 17, something like that, and just, ha- like, have her just keep, I don't know, resurrecting the dead or something, and you kill the dead, and it's like, oh, on my turn, I just bring them back, or something like that, you know? Uh, Obviously, I would try to think of something better, but that's just off the top of my head here. So, thanks, Coach, for that question. I really appreciate it here. So, um, I haven't done Q&A for a long time here, and I didn't have enough time for people to submit questions, so I just did a quick one uh, earlier today as I'm recording this. And I only had one question here, and I had a question from on Twitter on eight from Agent MLP four one two. What's my opinion on Battle Bond and Deadpool two? So I will answer the late latter. Is I have not seen Deadpool two yet. I do want to. My wife is. I think my wife's more excited to see it than I am because she loved the first one. She loved that movie, and I remember when we first went and saw Deadpool one. She was kind of like, eh, there was some other movie she wanted to see. I don't remember what it was, and I'm just like, come on, you know. I I think we saw whatever last movie she wanted to, and I I chose Deadpool, and she was so glad we chose it, and she's watched. I think she's watched it more times than I have, to be honest. Um. But my opinion on Battle Bond so far is I'm I'm actually excited to draft it. I'll, I'll be honest. It's I really want to do a two-headed giant of this set. And I really like the assist mechanic to where that'll even be useful in EDH where there's certain cards that another player can help you pay the mana cost for. Um, that is very interesting to me. It's perfect in two-headed giant, obviously. But in EDH, when it comes to the political side of EDH, where there may be a problem player and you're like, all right, well, let's wipe this guy's board out. But I need your help helping me pay the mana cost for this. All right? And, you know, it's th- th- that I love that mechanic. It- it's perfect for a set that's meant for two-headed giant. And it even has playability in EDH as well, too. So... Um, yeah, so, so far, my opinion of it so far as of this recording is I'm excited and happy about it. And I I honestly, I'm going to try to pick up a box or two and try and draft it, you know, get, get some of my buddies and we'll hopefully try to do a two headed giant thing. Um, so there you have it for this week's episode, a little bit shorter than usual, but, um, I just want to thank everybody for staying tuned and listening all the way to the end of me rambling on and on and on. Uh, once again, uh, I am scheduled to be at Grand Prix Orlando from August 10th through the 12th, uh, Grand Prix Atlanta from November 2nd through the 4th. I can be found at facebook.com slash Twitter at magicwazubi. You can email me at gmail at mtgzubi at gmail.com. We're on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. And thank you to LegitMTG.com and Manitraders.com for sponsoring this podcast. And if you want to shoot over to the Patreon and check that out as well, there's patreon.com slash and have a great night, everybody.